This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 7th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The last time marijuana was a big issue in the District of Columbia, the results of a public vote were quashed for a decade. That's because Congress rules D.C., but things have changed. Now that the city council seems to be moving forward with decriminalization of marijuana, Congress might just let it happen. Alan St. Pierre is executive director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. We spoke yesterday. The D.C. Council has effectively voted to decriminalize marijuana. There's really no question about uh, how that is going to go when they vote on it again. Mayor Gray, Vincent Gray, has said that he will sign it into law. But there's also Congress that may or may not get involved here. What are the mechanics of what has to happen? Well, of course, as you indicate, D.C. is its own unique creature. If it was a state, this would be a done deal. So with Congress uh, having complete oversight over the district's budget and autonomy, If the Congress in its oversight capacity wants to interfere with this implementation of the law, there's no doubt it can do so. Um, So we're just thankful that in the last four years, whether it's been Democrats or Republicans running the uh, House, uh, they've been in favor of allowing the D.C. government to move forward with what had been historically a prohibited legislative area to get into. From 1998 through 2008, uh, a 10-year period, um, the voters voted 59, no, pardon me, 69 percent in favor of marijuana for medicine. And then Congressman Bob Barr passed an amendment that was supported by the Clinton administration to effectively not allow the District of Columbia to spend any of its money on implementing this law. And if I understand correctly, that the votes were not even presented, not even tallied. Is that correct? I remember the day after the election. This would be a period when the internet was not as robust as it is today, and you still actually needed to pick up the newspaper the next day to discern what had happened. And the next day when we picked up the Washington Post and Washington Times, there was no vote totals. And so this started a eight-month litigation where reformers found themselves in opposition to Bob Barr, who was then trying to impeach the president of the United States, and Mr. Clinton's uh, uh, um, uh, DOJ, uh, his um, Justice Department, joined Mr. Barr in opposing even counting the votes. So we had to litigate in the capital of the United States, in the supposed cradle of democracy, we had to litigate just counting the vote. That's how uber political this issue had become. And so that sat around for 10 years. Eventually, it was uh, approved, which is to say Congress and the president, or I should say Congress, stopped standing in the way of that. And here we are five years later, and the uh, dispensaries have begun to uh, operate. Indeed, in fact, there are three operating in the District of Columbia, but this is a classic example of overregulation. Um, there is approximately 155 registered patients in the District of Columbia. That's how many people go through a dispensary in San Francisco per hour. So these um, brick and mortar establishments here in DC have literally been set up to fail, if you will. 
there's no way that their four or $500,000 investment can be recouped by selling 30 or 40 people a quarter every couple of weeks. So uh, I'm glad that the D.C. government not only is looking at decriminalizing marijuana, but they're going to be revisiting the medical marijuana laws, realizing they have over-regulated the industry. Now, uh, with res- specific respect to the decriminalization issue, what is Congress likely to do? Clearly, some members of Congress would like to send a signal back home that they're not soft on drugs. But uh, also within D.C., the, the, the people have spoken in, 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 some, in some respect. Once they look at data on arrest rates, it seems very clear that uh, there's a racial divide here and that the people of D.C. want this to occur. Yeah, there is a clear impetus in D.C. for these laws to reform. Uh, and yes, a lot of it is driven by the fact that reports have been put in front of them um, that have compelled them to understand how disparate the racial uh, um, the racial disparity is in our criminal justice system. That's really what's driven them to this point. Uh, I remember Mr. Wells 10 or 15 years ago uh, as a D.C. politico arguing fervently for expanding the war on drugs. And here he was this week talking about reforming marijuana laws as a matter of civil justice. So it does speak to how radically American and D.C. uh, voters have changed their point of view on this issue. I think probably regarding the Congress, they are very much paying attention to these national polling data. About 58% of the public, according to Gallup, want marijuana legalized. In many jurisdictions at the state level, marijuana, when put before the voters, often garners higher vote totals than the politicians today that are in charge. And so you'd have to have some serious chutzpah, I would suggest, to want to strike down the will of the public where the will of the public is greater than their want for you to be in office. Uh, I don't think one has to be a Tip O'Neill to figure out that in if all politics are local, you really ought to be paying close attention to this. So hoping that um, D.C. isn't going to be used as a whipping boy, uh, as some sort of political soundboard for partisan politics, uh, we hope that the, uh, particularly the GOP, which can really discern whether they want to move in this direction or not, they it would be um, it would behoove them not to move in this direction because we're talking about effectively a free market, civil liberties issue here. Um, that if you're someone like Daryl Issa, who's the head of the committee, that would be the first person to dis- to move in a direction of of trying to strike this down. He's from California. Uh, he's a very intelligent person when it comes to reading general politics. And I have to imagine that uh, when you see six out of 10 Americans moving in a direction, maybe even a higher percentage in the state of California, um, he's going to comport with that and not buck that. As we were talking before we started recording, you said Congress doesn't have to specifically approve this. They could just choose not to stand in the way. How would how would they functionally do that? Uh, just simply by allowing the law to move forward. When it comes up in their evaluations and budgetary oversight, that they don't draw this out like they do, for example, abortion or guns. Those are two matters that are constantly debated in D.C. But uh, much to my amazement um, and um, 
and wonderment. Uh, this is not one. And I suggest it's because baby boomers make up so much of the body politic today, certainly here in D.C., that their primary or secondary experience with marijuana is really informing them that this should be a very, very low priority. And of course, uh, the, the backdrop of all of this in D.C., as it is in the country, is the one to actually legalize marijuana outright. I mean, many of these legislators acknowledge that this feels like a bridge legislation between prohibition and legalization. Certainly, that's not precisely what's going on in D.C., uh, but certainly moving away from, if I understand it, a $1,000 fine and s up to six months in prison for simple possession. Yes. And also, too, um, a lot of folks don't realize, um, if they're not a policy wonk or a criminal defense lawyer, that the fact that it's a criminal offense creates this nexus. It creates this opportunity that once the government has discerned that you're engaged in some minor criminal offense, now it's getting search warrants to look at your home, your business, your records, your computers, your automobiles, etc. So by moving this to a civil fine uh, or a minor misdemeanor, it, it no longer will trigger that, that – um, want to go deeper into people's personal lives to figure out what other criminality they might be engaged in. Alan St. Pierre is executive director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, or NORML. You can read more about the failed U.S. war on drugs at our website, cato.org.